Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. And a big thanks to longtime sponsor of this program and this podcast, the Dunlap Champions Club. Obviously, as I speak, we don't know what football season is going to look like. And like most things associated with COVID-19 and the coronavirus, there are plenty of questions and not necessarily answers. So this is what I'd like you to do. Whenever we get some more clarity about football season, know this. The Dunlap Champions Club will have a plan. It's a great venue to take in football if spectators are going to be allowed this fall or whenever football season kicks off. There's shade, there's food, there's access to adult beverages if so inclined, and you can believe that they'll have as solid a plan as anything uh, involved at Doak Campbell Stadium in terms of keeping things sanitized as uh, we try to play this football season. So that said, thanks again for their longtime support of this program. I encourage you, if you have questions or want uh, some answers as to what the plan might look like, call 644-1830, option 1, for more information or to schedule a tour. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I am doing well, Mr. Tommy. How about you? I am great. We are either one week closer to the start of the season or not. But I feel like it's the former, not the latter. But who knows? Uh, You would say that things are trending in the positive. How about that? It seems to be that way. We've discussed this. Lots of Florida State news over the course of the last week. We will get to that. Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider, will join us next segment. We're going to talk some baseball with Mike Martin Jr. because tonight starts the very abbreviated Major League Baseball draft, just five rounds total overall instead of, I think, last year, 40 and at 1.60 rounds. Almost everybody with a pulse got drafted, save for me. I don't know if you ever got drafted, but point is – I did not. I did not. Much shorter, and you were actually a legitimate baseball player, so you had an opportunity there. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's backpedal and just look at the course of the last week, Keith. And I know this, in some respects, the way the news cycle changes, this is old news, but obviously the conversation continues about Black Lives Matter. And so we need to go back to the Marvin Wilson tweet last week and Mike Norvell and his reaction. And I don't know that we need to rehash it in too much detail, except to say that the Cliff's notes are, when I saw it unfold, I really was bracing for the worst. And when I saw the resolution, I thought, I don't know that you can come out of that much better. I mean, it was 15 hours maybe from the initial tweet until the everything was maybe not even 15 hours and everything was hunky-dory again. I would say almost uh, within a day, and the day being 12 hours. Um, I agree. Uh, as you and I have talked uh, previously, uh, obviously the topic – uh, is of great importance. Um, my frustration is simply in the delivery, i.e. social media, that caused it. And uh, you and I have had conversations about that. In the old days, if Coach Bowden had said something that I didn't like, I didn't have a Twitter account. I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, first couple of years I was in Tallahassee, I didn't even have a landline or cable. I would have gone to his office and met him face-to-face and have said, I didn't like this, what are you talking about? But in today's world, because of the way communication is, that conversation would have been private 40 years ago, gets very public today. 
again, repeating, not saying that the topic, that's not the issue, but the delivery of it uh, became important. And I agree that uh, Coach Norvell and Marvin both uh, hit it head on and met and, and ironed it out. And maybe just maybe, as they've said, uh, it ends up being a positive or a reinforcement as opposed to being the negative that everyone feared. Yeah, they came out of it, all things considered, as as well as you could. I don't think, to your point about how people communicate nowadays, that's a generational thing. It's a societal thing. It's a communication evolving thing with social media. Right. So that's just part of it. Um, I do think the subject matter being as as uh, personal, as significant as it is, might have been what moved Marvin to react that way. And if it was something not related to, uh, you know, the racial conversation going on in our country right now, I can't think of an example. But if it was something else, he might not have reacted that way. But who knows? But But the bottom line, that is how he reacted. I didn't have a huge problem with that. I thought Norvell did the best thing that you can do in any crisis situation. If you made a mistake, own it, apologize for it, and move on. And that, that's what he did. Now, two things will happen. One, and the team seemed to indicate it could be a galvanizing point and the team is closer, more closely bonded because of this. It does shorten the margin. Uh, it reduces the margin for error for Coach Norvell going forward should he make another mistake like this. Uh, in other words, uh, fool me one, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. But that said, I don't think that what he – said was intentional I don't think in in reading the quote I don't think he was trying to embellish it I think he was just talking to Deshaun Reed he said we've had an open dialogue had a back and forth all our players individually and then it continued for several more sentences and the reality is word for word that wasn't completely true and that's what Marvin called out so I don't I don't think it was ill intent and and hopefully you know we do turn the page it seems like they have turned the page I think so. You, you, neither, neither of us were in the meeting. We can only uh, react to those that were and what they said. It does raise an interesting point, however, Tom, that I haven't heard discussed. We first uh, encountered this with, with Jimbo, where he told the players they had to stay off of social media during the season. If Norvell were to institute that in his first year, might it be viewed differently given this situation? than it was when Jimbo enacted it. I think it's going to be different for any coach who wants to impose that now. Now, when Jimbo did it, it was always the team decided. It wasn't Jimbo's edict. The team would say, well, we've decided we're going to stay off social media. So certainly – Well, that's to... kind of like the, invol- the voluntary workouts right now. I agree. <laughs> I think if you're a coach right now, if you're Mike Norvell, if you're any coach, especially in the case of Coach Norvell who has – in his release and his apology, he complimented Marvin for using his voice and using social media to speak up. And so he's empowered him and other players to do the same. So I don't think you can go back and say no to that. I think you can say, guys, we all know the dangers, you know, the, the pluses and minuses of social media, however you want to phrase it. And I would just caution as we go into this, use your best judgment the same way a parent would to a child, uh, to a a kid about it. I don't see us getting to the eve of the season, though, unless the players say, hey, we talked about it, we're tired of the noise, and we're all going to get off Twitter. I think it has to come from the players. The analogy that someone made, I wish I could take credit for this, is uh, young people, we'll just say athletes, 18 to 22-year-olds, on social media these days, 
uh, folks have the same consternation when a 16-year-old started driving. <laughs> you, you know it's their right. You know that for the most part, they'll do a good job. But as a parent, you're going to face it when near two gets old, get older. Yeah, they're 16, and, and we're going to get them a car, but you just worry the heck out of what they're going to do with it. I will point out the – I'm searching for the right word, not coming up with it but the different ends of the spectrum that I saw from Florida state folks, some of whom said Marvin should have handled this in house, like you referred to in the Bowden days. And out of the other side of the mouth, they were saying, why isn't Dabo speaking to this thing? He should have never kept that issue in house from three years ago. So it's, it's kind of advocating one way based on your opponent, what you want to see happen there. And then saying, but for my program, I want everything to stay in house and, and keep it, behind closed doors and solve it. I know it's, it, it wasn't exactly the same issue, obviously. And the other challenging thing, and we're going to see this, this is just the reality of the world that we live in, is you're now judged if you do or if you don't do something. And then even if you do something, did you do enough? Forget the topic, forget the subject matter. But, um, you know, this whole concept that everyone has to be uh, stating what they believe and how they believe and what they're going to do about everything. Uh, I think we need to hit the pause button on that a little bit too, but bigger topic for another day. As I mentioned, Bob Ferrante will join us momentarily. We'll get him to weigh in from Florida State and from the Osceola. And by the way, speaking of burying the lead, not that this comes as a surprise, but Florida State has had a student athlete, a football player, test positive for COVID-19, at least one. We don't know how many as you and I speak, and we don't know who it is. Uh, I can't say that I'm surprised because about every football program that has had players begin working out, if they're testing them, they're finding some number, whether it's one, two, three, there's reports of five at Alabama. Uh, so we'll see. In theory, or, or hopefully in practice, those, those indiv that individual or those individuals will now be self-isolating for 14 days, and, and hopefully there's a good resolution. But do they need to becomes the question, because if you use that bubble concept and everyone is healthy that's within that bubble, there's an argument to be made that that isolation might not be necessary within the bubble. That'll be another dynamic that we're going to have to see work its way out. More questions than answers. This has been exactly. for several months now. Before we turn the page completely, I do want to mention, and I've, as somebody who whose day job is at the university. I've sat through many university board of trustees meetings, generally in person, but we live in a Zoom world now. So in the case of last week's, I wasn't in the room because there was multiple rooms. Nobody was in the room together. But David Coburn's heartfelt message was about as an emotional, uh, uh, it wasn't a plea, but just a talk, uh, candid, frank conversation, as you'll see in that setting. I mean, there's a lot of important business that goes on, university business but it's a lot of how the sausage is made and it's not generally very compelling from a public's point of view, I would suggest, but it was a pretty heartfelt message that Coburn delivered last week at the end of his report to the board of trustees. And the thing that jumped out at me about it, Tom, and, and I haven't asked, it's probably unimportant, but there were approximately 75 student athletes uh, involved in that conversation and they weren't all football players. I don't know what the exact spread was amongst male and female and versus the other sports, 
But the point that uh, I think we can take, a point we can take from it, is it wasn't a football thing. It was a student athlete thing. It was a young person thing. And I think that speaks to the depth of the, uh, the depth and the breadth of this topic and how it is impacting not just segments, but society as a whole. There was a lot of meat in Coburn's report last week that really hasn't been talked about in detail before he got to that. But one of the things he said, Keith, and we speculated about this in the early going when there were conversation was out there about will spring sports seniors have an opportunity to get an extra year? And the answer ultimately was yes. And so you start doing the math and Florida state had 61 seniors who could have done that. And immediately people start doing the math. What if all 61 come back? But you and I discussed that it probably was not going to be even half necessarily. I think we had it at 20, you know, a quarter or a third. Well, the number that he reported last week is 23. So 23 out of 61 or 62. Now, it's still a big budget number. It's still half a million bucks there that they're going to have to cover. Um, But in essence, even though people were all disappointed that they lost their senior year, some were ready to turn the page and move on. Some probably had been tired of training forever. Some don't have a pro future. They wanted to go get the job, take the job offer they had. So that's where the number settled, and that could change still, but I think 23 is the number coming back. Yeah, and that's the financial side. And then, of course, as we've talked about, you've got the how do the individual coaches manage, you know, if you've got someone coming in that was supposed to be playing second base, for example, with Mike Martin Jr., and the second baseman that you were expecting to leave stays, what is that dynamic? Those things are still to be worked out. Well, that's a question I'd like to ask Mike Jr. when he joins us a little bit later in the show. So Funny how I brought that up, huh? It's almost like you knew what was coming. <laughs> the uh, show is just getting started. We'll get to Bob Ferrante next. Remember to go out and support Madison Social, Township, Centrale, Soto, support your local businesses. We appreciate their longtime support of this program. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles momentarily. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. We welcome our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who joins the show. Bob, good to see you. How you doing? doing well how are you guys we're doing well uh we've we've said the same thing at the top of every show and about the top of every segment with you i phrased it this way to keith today we're either a week closer to the start of football or not but it does seem to be trending more the former than the latter so i I guess that's good news let's talk off the field first here and there's been a lot to digest in the last week but from a recruiting standpoint fsu has really picked up the pace over the last month or so i remember having a conversation with pat probably probably early May when FSU had four or five commits and everybody else was getting 10, 12, 15. Well, now FSU's up to, I think, 12, maybe. They've jumped 30 or 40 spots in the rankings if you pay attention to those. 
and the latest is an offensive lineman. And if you hear offensive lineman and they say they're coming to FSU, we'll take it. That's where we've been for the last few years. Yeah, I think Florida State fans are really happy to hear that, that Bryson Estes from, from Georgia, he's going to be – he's committed to Florida State. And, and the positive there is his versatility. He plays offensive tackle in high school, projects as either a guard, right tackle, maybe a center down the road. You know, Florida State offensive line coach Alex Atkins has told Estes that, you know, he, he could see him playing a couple different positions. And I think there's, there's a lot of positives there. Florida State – you could argue needs numbers on the offensive line, but they need versatility, guys who can really step up and, and maybe make an impact at a number of positions. I think one of the things that jumped out at me, you were telling us before we came back from the break that, uh, and we've talked about this, but Norvell's history of being able to develop players, not just relying on a five-star coming in and being a great athlete, but, taking someone that maybe uh, they saw things on film or saw things on tape that they really liked and knew there was a big upside. And, and this uh, seems to be one of those types of players as well. Yeah, you know, Pat Burnham, having played offensive line in college, he consulted with, with Mark Salva, who played here in the mid-'80s, and also Charles Fishbein, our recruiting analyst. And they saw a lot of film. And granted, they are huddle highlights, so this isn't true game film. But just watching some of these offensive linemen, and they've, they, they kind of pick apart that film and, and say what they like and what they don't like, this kind of felt like, you know, he's a guy who is truly a three-star when you look at the recruiting services and how they've ranked him. But there's a visibility of the upside of what he can bring to the table in terms of versatility. And, and maybe, maybe he's been undervalued by certain programs and that's just why his ranking kind of hung around as a three-star. This is the Mike Norvell MO. He's always kind of looked for the, the two-star, three-star, the diamond in the rough, the junior college guy who can develop, maybe move him from one position to another. Norvell kind of likes this. And, and I think, you know, Forsyth made some significant inroads into Georgia through the years. Granted, those are past staffs. But I, I think Georgia kids – have shown, yeah, I mean, Florida State makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's close to home. It's where I can play and where my family can watch me play. So I, I think this is a really good fit for Florida State, for sure. That's good news, but the the cavalry is still uh, a little ways away in terms of him being able to help. So the bad news is Florida State missed on another grad transfer O-lineman who went to Miami. And I don't know who's left in the grad transfer bag that, uh, that anybody wants at this point, but it still feels like it would have been nice to get one more up front. Would you agree? One more who could play in 2020. Yeah, you know, offensive tackle in particular, is a, we, we felt like going in that they had to land two grad transfers just to have that experience. You know, yes, Jared Williams picked, um, picked Miami. He's good friends with Eric King, the quarterback who transferred there. That makes a lot of sense. Miami has bad offensive line needs, just like Florida State has offensive line needs. You know, one argument that, that a couple of our guys have made is, you know, yes, it would have been great to bring in Jared Williams as a grad transfer, but can you invest your time and energy in developing an offensive tackle who's already on campus? You know, for example, Darius Washington. Does he make, you know, significant steps forward in year two at Florida State Whereas maybe he doesn't see as much significant playing time in 2020 if he's behind the guy like Jared Williams. 
So you can argue this one either way. I'm curious long-term at, at what Darius Washington might offer as well as some of the other tackle prospects. It's not the immediate best fit, and maybe the short term is to go out and get a one-year rental type, like a grad transfer. But if you don't get them, you have to lean on and coach the guys that you have. And I'm curious as to how those guys deliver. I think we're at a point. So Mike Norvell and his staff, they've not had a chance to make inroads in Florida. I mean, this whole COVID-19 has changed the way you recruit. So I don't think you can put anything on them. I think they've done a nice job with what they've done. I think we're feeling the residuals of even going back to the DeAndre Francois years because he would stand in the pocket so long and he'd get obliterated and then four guys would help him up and he might come off for two plays and he'd go back in. And meanwhile, the offensive lineman would get called out, even if it wasn't, you know, in some cases, DeAndre needed to throw the ball about two seconds earlier. So that was 16 and 17. And then the last two years, uh, you know, the last couple of years, I was, I was going to say Kendall, but it wasn't Kendall for both years. But, but the offense that was here, there wasn't a lot of, you know, hot routes and, and short adjustments. I mean, you're throwing a lot of verticals that you need time to protect. Basically what I'm saying is Florida State's OL has been the poster boy for everything that could go wrong for four years running now. And I don't think the tide's going to change until you start getting more competent, consistent, better play i.e. win a few football games. I know you could say that about recruiting in general, but it feels like that's uh, maybe a bigger issue than it's been talked about related to OL specifically. Yeah, we were talking about that with Alex Atkins, you know, months and months ago, and, and he's of the opinion that everybody has offensive line problems. It's not just Florida State. It's, it's basically if you're not in the playoff, um, you, you have offensive line problems. And – it's going to take time, especially at Florida State. I think everybody's kind of tired of hearing it's going to take time. But we have to maybe look for progress in a short, short steps forward, baby steps. It, it's going to take – I hate to say it's going to take more, more years than, than we have the patience for. <laughs> but I think Florida State fans' patience is already, already worn out here. Um, you know, to your point about you have to develop a passing game or a running game that – that works around those disadvantages on the offensive line. You've got to make quicker reads and, you know, first read, if it's not there, second read, dump it, who's your check down. Um, I, it underscores what Cam Akers achieved, you know, with two 1,000 yard rushing seasons where the majority of those yards are after contact. And it's why he's in the NFL and because he's been able to achieve so much behind an offensive line that was just so beleaguered. But, yeah, I mean, the coaches who can figure out, who can adapt and make the best of what they have, that, that's why they're making the big bucks. They've really got to, to make those adjustments, get a quarterback ready to, to make the plays that, that, again, they can just work their way down the field and extend some drives and get, get field goals and touchdowns out of them. I want to echo that and, and reinforce kind of one of the things that Bob said, uh, and, and Tommy, you too. The five offensive linemen get the blame, but I'm telling you, the majority of the issue is at quarterback. And Florida State has not had a successful quarterback that can master the system and know when to get the ball out the way he should. And that only magnifies the issues. You go back and look at those that make the playoffs, as you talk about, that don't complain about their offensive line, you can point to their quarterback 
is the reason why they don't have problems with their offensive line, my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who knows if it's James Blackman moving forward. The, the spring kind of ruined the growth of Tate Rodemaker because only got three practices in. And now you can say he got all that time, you know, working out with teammates leading up in those months. But he's almost coming in the same situation as Chubba Purdy. You're, you're kind of starting from scratch in many regards. Again, if you ask me who the starting quarterback is going to be against West Virginia, hopefully in early September, I don't think there's a great answer right now. I don't feel confident in saying it's any of the four candidates. Is there a leader in the clubhouse? Sure, it's probably James Blackman just based on experience. But he truly also has to adapt to the scheme and getting the ball out faster and being aware of, of pressure. And that's, that's certainly a tough ask, especially considering he hasn't had you know, this last spring with the new staff. And who knows what August workouts are going to look like, too. Guys, you know what we just did? We talked about on-field issues in actual football. We haven't done that since, unfortunately, since we dissected the, the Sun Bowl, I think, Keith. The Tony the, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, I should add. Exactly. exactly. So, uh, with, with that said, Bob, this, this is old news, especially nowadays when the news cycle changes every 24 hours. But this was last Wednesday night overnight and into Thursday. So, really a week ago as we're talking. General thoughts on the Marvin Wilson tweet, Mike Norvell's apology and statement, the team meeting, and how Florida State came out of that. You have to like the end result, which we think is is what Marvin Wilson said earlier this week, that the team is closer, the players are closer, the coaches are understanding of some of the big picture uh, thoughts of, of the players. You know, yes, would it have been in an ideal world great if Marvin Wilson had gone to his position coach, Odell Hagens, and said, you know, I really don't like with, you know, what, what Coach Norvell characterized as, you know, a, a communication with every football player. And maybe if, if Marvin and Odell had talked and then talked with Coach Norvell, they could have ironed some of this out and it, it didn't become a national story for, for a day. But in the end, they had a meeting and they talked and they were very open and players are coming out and they've, they've got goals about what they want to do, whether it's voting, being active in the community, you know, helping to send you know, young blacks to college with, with college fundraisers. There, there are goals and, and some of them are achievable on a, on a very small you know, scale for Florida State players. And I think it's encouraging they're going to use their platform. You know, they're going to encourage um, voting, activism, Whatever's important to them, I, I think I think we're seeing this is kind of a year where, where student athletes can speak out and help to try and affect change. Guys, I'm reminded, and, and it's apples and oranges, but it's similar. But I'm reminded that you know back in the late '80s when Pablo Lopez was killed, uh, Coach Bowden had a meeting with the team, and this was before Twitter and Facebook and all this, but. I've, t- I've had private conversations when he said, hey, hey Keith, I-, I-, I thought we were going to lose the team. I thought that Pablo's death impacted these young men so severely because we forget they're not robots. They're not pros. They're 18 to 22-year-olds. And he said what came out of that discussion and those cries and that, that, that frustration really bonded that team. And hopefully – 
something like this will do the same for the 2020 version of Florida State football. I think it can happen too. I, I think people need to understand, you know, it, it's, it's very hard for us to, to walk in the shoes of someone else, especially when we're from, you know, different backgrounds. And, but now I, I like to think that, that coaches have learned about how to communicate and perhaps a, a text isn't nearly as good as a Zoom phone call team meeting or a truly a team meeting in the IPF where everyone is spaced six feet apart. You know, when communication is really important like this and it's a sensitive topic like inequality, these kind of things probably need to happen in person. And that's a tough thing to arrange when we're in the era of COVID-19. But we have to figure out ways of, of kind of understanding and communicating as clearly as possible, just, just so that everybody has a better understanding of, of where we're all coming from. Bob, Keith and I chatted about social media bans, if you will. Jimbo was not technically the one who instituted it. His players would come out and say, we've agreed to be off social media. Do you think that ship has sailed now? I mean, do you think program, do you think Marvin and Florida State, as they've been empowered to use their voice and use their platform, do you think they could still come together at the start of the season and say, hey, we know it's there, but we're about business right now on the field and we're going to shut it down? Or do you think that day is done? I think that's really tough to try and shut it down. I, I can totally understand why a player or a coach would say, I'm going to you know, park my Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever for, let's say, August or September through the bowl game. If that's what helps you to focus, then I think that's, that's admirable if you want to do that. But I also wouldn't take the phone away from a student athlete and say you can or can't do or say something because who knows what's going to be an important topic in, in the coming months. I mean, it, it's just too difficult to take it away from someone. I, I wouldn't do it. I, I know what Jimbo was getting at back in the day, and, and he liked to say that, but I also think he deeply encouraged you know, his leadership council to do things, and then he could hide behind it and say, well, this wasn't my decision. Right. Well, and to be clear, I don't think there's any way Norvell or the coaches could institute it. I think it would have to be a genuine start from the players conversation if it was going to go that route. And I don't know that I see it going that, that route anyway. We're going to talk baseball in the next segment with Mike Martin Jr. But Bob, what else is going on? We've got football players are back on campus. I know, and we mentioned this in the first segment, at least one Florida State player has tested positive for COVID-19. And and frankly, this has happened at multiple schools, UCF, Alabama. I mean, there, there's a list of several schools. Um, so we knew that was going to happen. I don't know that that slows down anything in terms of the idea of still getting the season started on time. But maybe. I mean, we're still in this limbo pattern, and I think we will be until July 15th-ish maybe when we get clarity on the season. Yeah, this is a tough story to report, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for this one because we don't know how many players have tested positive, you know, what, what severity of symptoms. Do they have parents or siblings who have come down with, with any symptoms? What we do know is, is it's at least one. We know that Florida State is isolating anybody who comes back with a positive test, and I, I think that's, that's what you have to do. This was the unfortunate, I think, expected scenario where we thought once players came back that some would test positive 
and, and Force is doing the best it can to help those guys out. You know, moving forward, this is why the university is putting together a, a coronavirus testing lab in Innovation Park. They're moving very, very quickly so that they can test in-house their own students, professors. And eventually, this is the route to getting student-athletes back on campus in all sports so that realistically, you can wake up one morning and maybe you're coughing, maybe you have a fever, you have some type of symptom. You can be tested, and within 8 to 24 hours, that's the goal, is to be able to give a student, professor, whoever, some type of feedback. And, and Florida State can shorten that window of uncertainty by having its own lab. So I think that's a truly a, a very huge goal, to create a lab from scratch and, and to do it so quickly. But, you know, these are, these are times where we have to do some of these ambitious things as a country. And I, I really applaud Florida State for trying to do something so, so incredible like this. Chatting with Bob Ferrante from the Osceola, we'll wrap up momentarily. Bob joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Bob, one of the things I said to Keith at the, at the top of the show, there was actually pretty good meat in David Coburn's report last week but it really boiled down to it was it was concurrent with the team meeting and the Marvin Coach Norvell thing. And then Coburn also had a very emotional uh, talk at the end. But one of the things that was in there related to COVID-19, as he said, we're starting with football, then we're going to men's and women's basketball. Then we're going to the fall sports, which is cross country and volleyball and soccer. Do we have any idea where they are in that process of moving to other sports at this point? I mean, have they started basketball? Have they started fall sports? Yeah, nothing has started as of yet, but you know we're we're hearing some en encouraging conversation. You know, Josh Pastner, the Georgia Tech men's basketball coach, mentioned yesterday that the ACC coaches talk every week on Wednesdays, and he would like to see players returning to campus, you know, July one, so that they can maybe hold some small workouts. Maybe it won't be five on five or three on three. Who knows how the basketball coaches will, will handle this, but. I think testing is obviously part of that solution. I think the NCAA allowing schools to bring students, student athletes back to campus is again, part of that solution. Could it be July 1? Could it be July 15? I think, I, I think the NCAA needs to open it up and allow schools who have got a plan in place to figure it out and, and start moving in this direction. I think a lot of coaches, administrators feel like the best option is to try and bring students back and put them in a bubble on campus. And I, I think that might be the, the best scenario. I, I think that might be what we have to try and do so that we can you know, try to get practice back, try to start up some semblance of classes, whether they're online or in person or some combination of the two. And then see if the, the, the games can start on time or if they need to just be pushed back. We creep closer to getting firm answers on this. And I say that, but we could start the season and then there's more of an outbreak and you pause the season or you don't finish the season. I mean, I don't know that anything's going to be definitive as we get into this whenever we get into it. Bob, appreciate your yeah. insight as always. Thanks for your work at the Osceola. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, go See to Osceola.com to learn how you can subscribe. Give it a free trial for 30 days. Check it out. Bob, Pat, Jerry, Fish, as they call them, the recruiting expert, do a great job. So I encourage you guys to go ahead and subscribe. We'll take a break, come back, turn our attention to baseball. The Major League Draft is tonight. 
Coach Mike Martin Jr. joins us right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Back in front row, Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Thanks to Bob Ferrante for joining us uh, from the Osceola. And we told you we'd talk a little bit of baseball, and we're pleased to bring Mike Martin Jr. back to the show. Mike, uh, appreciate you coming on again. The reality is, unfortunately, you, you don't have much going on right now, so you, you have to talk to people like us, right? No, I hope you're, I hope you're doing well. Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. We're just trying to, you know, like everybody else, trying to uh, keep plugging away. And uh, we're all, you know, at the stadium right now. and. Uh, look at some video of kids and just it's pretty much our normal routine we're just glad to have him we're just glad to have him because this time of year last year this time next year he probably wouldn't even take our call because he'd be kind of busy i think (laughs) we would hopefully be in a super regional this week exactly uh, yeah um, it's got to be odd to you still meet that you look at your calendar i mean your your entire life You've been at a baseball park on Memorial Day weekend and certainly the first weekend in June and very frequently the second weekend in June. So uh, is it still a little surreal or odd or it's just business as normal now? Yeah, it still is. You know, it's just uh, bizarre. You know, again, it's like everybody else, their normal routines and what they enjoy doing is, uh, you know, for the most part, we're starting to open back up and do some things, but um it is it's the first spring break i've ever had (laughs) it's the first memorial weekend memorial day weekend i've ever had uh and i don't like it (laughs) i know i know because you're a creature of habit you want to you want to be on the diamond well we'll we'll talk draft here in a minute but i am curious you mentioned looking at video and right now we just talked about this with bob football players have come back and and they're going undergoing testing and then I think according to what A.D. Coburn said, basketball's next, then the fall sports. So I don't know where baseball is in that queue. But what are, are you able to – what are you able to do with players right now? Uh, can you have individual instruction? Can your strength coach work with them? Can you have team meetings? What, what's permissible and what's not for baseball? Yeah, none of the above is allowed. Uh, we're in a dead period, which means we can receive calls. We can make calls to kids that are juniors and seniors. Uh, but there's no face-to-face contact. Um, Mike, Jimmy, I, we just rotate doing, you know, virtual tours of us walking through the facilities and, you know, uh, FaceTime. Uh, We just actually, our coach's video just did um, a a tour basically where you click on it. It's for the new updated weight room and so that recruits can, you know, hey, go to the website, click on it, check us out. You know, really like, you know, the video that you sent, you look like a, prospect and as soon as we open back up we're, we're basically like have a big board and we this class this is the top guy we've got to go see this class and we just go down the list and so as soon as they open us up you know we're hightailing it all parts of the country what about though with your current players meet i mean what can you do with them nothing nothing, nothing at all we just have a big group you know group me tech that uh, will send out information i just sent them out 
you know, to the freshmen that uh, they got to have, if they haven't moved all their stuff out of their apartments, the lease ends June 15th. And, you know, any bit of information that we get, uh, we send it out to the guys. But um, really, there's just nothing to, you know, I'll check on them and try to motivate, you know, and make sure they're staying on top of their books if they're in summer school and, of course, taking care of their bodies as well. But um, it's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, I know it's frustrating, but as a general observation with the feedback that you're getting from current players, are they, are they taking care of themselves? Or, are you concerned or worried about uh, what they are or are not doing? Or, or have you been pleased with the reports you're getting? I've been pleased. Um, you know, I'll get hitters to send me stuff. And let me take a look at their swings. And, um, you know, Jimmy does the same thing with the pitchers. And, uh, of course, you can check on their bodies and stuff like that. But the main thing they've got to be careful of, and we've been pounding it into them, is some of these summer ball, uh, you know, leagues are opening up. You can't go in there and, and, you know, try to big dog it, and next thing you know, you hurt yourself because your body's not ready, you know, whether it's legs, pitcher's arms, or whatever. So we're just trying to educate them because there are some that are uh, – the Florida Collegiate League is one. that They're full go, and um, – you know, they'll be playing baseball here in a bit. Well, well you're right to bring that up because I have to caution Mr. Block uh, to not big dog it on every one of these shows. So uh, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to touch 50 when I throw BP to Nolan. You know, I just try to keep it at 40, and that's about where I work. I, I guess. Yeah, I topped, out at, I topped out at 48. That, that, that's my <laughs> was. Now I got a torn up shoulder, but that was, that was the perfect 48, the number. I talked out at 48, but I lost a couple of pounds. I'm back down to 46. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Meet, you might not agree on this because I know every coach wants to be working with, with his players as student-athletes. I guess if there's a silver lining related to baseball, there's an awful lot of individual work that can be done, i.e. time in the cage or time throwing if you're a pitcher, compared to a sport like we've been talking football where the offensive line – needs to function completely as a unit. And I'm sure you'll push back on this and say, hey, I need my shortstop and second baseman there turning double plays. But is that an accurate statement that at least they can do a good amount of work compared to some other sports? Yes and no. Obviously, our game is meant to be played all the time. Uh, your skills start to diminish. But the fact that we're making such an unnatural movement with the throwing motion, that's the real – only benefit is these kids are getting time off from the constant year-round throwing, which, you know, obviously it's going to uh, break down at some point for the most part. And um, so that's probably the only, you know, good thing that um, – well, that and they get to spend time with their families. That's uh, important. It's good for, you know, the mind. And um, But, yeah, they, they, they're ready to go. There's no, we're all ready to go. Yeah, I have no doubts. All right, let's, well, let's shift gears. Let's talk, let's talk draft. Uh, first of all, about CJ, and then we can have a bigger conversation about how small the draft is in terms of rounds and roster implications and that sort of thing. CJ obviously is highly thought of. I think when I looked, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 from some of the people I looked at. But do you have any thoughts on on where he may go? And, and more than that, what whoever drafts him is getting potentially? I think, I think he's going to go a little bit better than that. Um, I've gotten quite a few calls from you know certain teams that are you know you, they ask certain questions you're like okay well where do you pick you go and look it up whoa okay so I think he's going to go a little bit better um, than that 30 to 40 range uh, I'm saying middle of first to the 
you know, back into the first round would be my guess. But uh, what they're getting is, you know, a guy that is really hungry. Um, you know, the stuff, obviously, command and everything um, is all there. You know, but the, the mindset and the work ethic and how much he really cares sets him apart. You know, some guys, you know, are a little bit different. They don't, they don't have a genuine passion for, you know, playing or pitching, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I've told him all. I've sold out for him. He's a great teammate. He's a great worker. Um, he takes pride in everything that he does. And, um, you know, somebody's getting a, a long-term major leaguer. I mean, how, how big a deal was his development of the slider? I read a couple of stories, and in, in, in both of them, they brought up the, the addition of that pitch. Uh, how, how big a difference do you think that's made in how people are evaluating him? Yeah, I think it, it, it really did help him um, in a lot of ways. You know, when you've got the big fastball and you've got the breaking ball, the curveball, but it's got to go out of the zone to fall into the zone. A lot of umpires wouldn't call it strikes um, just because it's, it's hard to, to, you know, command it. Well, now he can take that slider, you know, and throw it mid-80s and flip counts. You know, he can be 1-0 instead of going to a great hitter and saying, I don't want to throw a fastball here, just flip that slider. Next thing you know, you're 1-1. And uh, obviously, if he wants to, you know, wipe you out with it, put you away with it, he can do that as well. But um, it was really smart on Jimmy's part to say, look, he needs a slider. And, um, you know, of course, typical CJ, sure, let's, and sold out to it. Next thing you know, it's a, another above-average major league pitch. When it comes to recruiting, there's that age-old balance uh, about, in baseball particular, of, of recruiting kids that, you know, you don't know if you're ever going to really have them on campus because they're going to go uh, go pro. Do you think the five rounds and the limitation of the draft tonight is going to help college baseball in that regard? Immensely. Uh, I think you're going to see two or three years worth of really, you know, quality baseball in, in our game. Um, you know, it's a shame because it's it's, you know, crushing dreams of a lot of kids that, you know, waited their whole life for this time and they're not gonna you know go in the sixth seventh tenth round and um but it is it's gonna send them to college it's gonna you know help everybody in the in the college game i, I really think it will be fun to watch so round one tonight and then four more rounds meet i i know there's uh is it carson montgomery's another one who's, who's going to get drafted on you and 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 i guess shane drohan could be in here i mean who are you going to be sweating over over the next uh, two days yeah, there, there's a, there's about three or four, uh, Drew and Carson and those guys. Um, yeah, you know, and again, it's uh, it's it's ultimately we. I learned this from eleven. That this is this is you know not your business. This is their family decision. You stay out of it. Don't you know? Just educate them, and you know, cheer them on. That's all that we can do, and that's all we will continue to do. Um, sure, there's some times in which we think it was a bad decision for them to go into pro ball and. Sometimes it's the right one, but, um, you know, we'll stay out of the way. Uh, we hope all our guys, you know, get a chunk of change so they can provide for their families in the future. And, um, you know, again, we just want, want guys happy. What's I, mean, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. Excuse me, Tommy. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but one of the things that has happened in the last couple of three years is, you know, the analytics and the, the financials and the spreadsheet demonstration about – when it's good to go to college and when it's good to go in the draft. You guys have, have, have used that in some situations uh, effectively of recent. Is that, is that an accurate statement? 
Oh yes, we've we've got you know tons of information that show you know look the numbers don't lie. This is twenty something years of you know if you go in this round and you get this amount of money, your chances of making the major leagues you know are diminish. And and if you go here, then you know it's just there's a lot of lot of things you know high school catchers making the major leagues. It's really rare for those guys to to make it to the major leagues. And when I say major leagues, it's not getting to the major leagues. It's getting the real money, the, you know, when you get to arbitration, that's, that's when, you know, you're, you're set. And uh, there's plenty of guys that get up for a little while and you know, don't make enough money to, um, you know, to provide. And um, so we, we have all that information and we do divulge it. We don't force it on them, uh, but we say, look, we have this. If you're interested, we'll send it to you. Meet given the pandemic, has the, the deadline changed at all for when, drafted players have to decide if they're signing or coming back what's the, what's that date it's, it's, it's a month yes they got a month to negotiate and make decisions okay and keith mentioned well you commented that you know this is going to add a lot to college baseball since there's you know we went from 60 rounds several years ago to 40 rounds to now five but so you've got these guys that are going to go undrafted and don't have a big pool of money if they try to sign as free agents really it's it's not much at all but you've also got guys that, that lost their senior season this spring that potentially are coming back. I mean, I think Reese has said that for you. So what does that do from a roster management standpoint for you when you're trying to recruit? You've been recruiting a kid since he was whatever age, and now all of a sudden you got a log jam because you've got a lot more guys there than you expected. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. Um, and it's all over the country. You know, you, you never could plan for something like this. And, um, you know, there was 11 guys that, you know, we didn't think we're going to either come back to school or, you know, show up coming out of high school. And now, you know, we've got, there's probably eight. And, um, you know, once the dust, dust shit settles with the draft, you know, we'll, we'll start having, you know, conversations. Look, you know, son, uh, you know, now all of a sudden Reese Albert's back and Elijah Cabell's back. And, you know, you know, that scenario, well, they were supposed to be gone. And, you know, do you, want to do this still you know i think uh, the junior college baseball a lot of kids are gonna to have to go to junior college let things kind of shake out and uh settle down and you know one year two years at a junior college then go but the worst thing you can do is go and sit and again your skills diminish when you're not playing so that's part of it let me continue here keith but uh, correct me where i'm wrong in this and i realize that dollars are a factor because you've got to fund scholarships here at the university the athletic department does but you can go above and beyond the normal roster limit or if it's for a senior who came back for another year. Is that right? Yes. The seniors are off the books. They don't count. So whatever, you know, if they come back, then they don't count against your 27 on scholarship or your 35 total man roster. It hasn't been decided yet whether they're going to give us more than 11.7 scholarships, you know, to try to right the ship, if you will. Um, I don't see that happening. Uh, I do think they'll expand the rosters, but I don't think they're going to give us more than 11.7. I hope Meet I'm wrong, with but that. I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Along with, uh, you know, you don't know yet, uh, are you going to play some live baseball in the fall? Do, do you have a feel for that? We actually talked about ACC coaches called yesterday, and we are really pushing for that to happen, um, to give us 10, 12, 15 games to play in the fall uh, for, again, uh, player development, player, uh, student athlete welfare. Um, you know, I, again, no decision has been made on that 
as of right now, but um, we're hoping like crazy. Meet, we always appreciate a few minutes of your time and the conversation. I look forward to uh, having conversations, and I've used this joke before, that involve questioning why you didn't get the lefty out of the pen or why you went to this pinch hitter instead <laughs> of that one. <laughs> I would love for somebody to yell out of the stands. You know, I'd love it. I'd love to hear that. I mean, we'd be playing baseball, but, yeah, hey. it's, um, it's crazy, and I enjoyed it as well, guys. I'll tell you what, Meat, if you want to go stand in the third base coach's box, Keith and I will come over for lunch one day and we'll sit at least six feet apart <laughs> and we'll just yell at you from about 10 rows up. Does that sound good? Uh, that, that, I'll be at home. That, well, let's do it. <laughs> All right. And we'll, both, and we'll both wear a batting helmet so we'll be protected. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'll have my mask on, too. I need y'all to have your mask on. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Mike Martin, Jr. Okay, guys. Keith, uh, that was a good finish. We'll let this breathe. We'll come back and wrap up the show right after this on Front Row Knowles. Runaway, I was flying. Yeah, running down a dream that never would come to me. Working on a mystery. Going wherever it leads. Running down a dream. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Mike Martin Jr., always good sport and good conversation. I think every coach that we talk to, Keith, it's the nature of what they do. They want to be back at it. But baseball guys in particular, because it's every day, they don't know what to do. There's no, Their life is so patterned around BTP game, post-game meal, BP game. It's just so different for them. It, that's the nature of the beast. And, and they have a limited amount of free time that they put all their energy and thought into at the end of the season before they come back to start spring. And now they've got this extra free time. And not only are they used to doing something, they don't have anything to replace it with. I didn't ask Meat about how his yard looked because I'm pretty sure he's not out there growing petunias. <laughs> well, he was distraught. He actually got a Memorial Day weekend holiday and didn't know what to do with it. You know, he had a spring break. He probably didn't do anything with it other than uh, try to figure out when he could play baseball again, right? I guess. Anyway, we appreciate him joining us. Uh, appreciate folks uh you listening to us uh, on a continued basis it's been an odd uh odd is one word for it it certainly has not been a normal past uh three months or so and uh, hopefully we're, we're trending back in that direction related to COVID-19 but we'll continue to be here and uh try to help everybody through it Keith yeah and then, and while you're not doing a lot if you're still in that way then go visit our friends at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener and see Ron and his folks through all of your do-it-yourself needs because uh, they can help you out if you do have something that you've got free time you can now take care of. You know, I can't believe I just did this with Meat because I actually had texted with him about it and we didn't even get into it. There's a little bit of a movement to push the college baseball season back. I'm talking about not even maybe 21, maybe 22, whenever college athletics is back on its feet again, so that Omaha would not be mid-June, it would be mid-July. This is a, something the northern schools have wanted for a while to get more of a fair shake so that they can be outside and practice starting in March instead of in February when it's covered with the, the, you know, the field is covered with snow, but I didn't get his take on that. Um, 
So anyway, next week, I think we're, we're going to try to bring in uh, another college baseball expert since we're in the middle of what would be the College World Series, and we can expand that conversation. Till then, though, Keith, uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm out of things to say. I am as well. I'm tired of looking so at your we'll Santa beard. I'm tired of looking at your Santa beard here, too. It looks like you yeah, did get well, it groomed, though. I did, and I, and I got it cut a little too short, so now I got to grow it back out. I mean, you know, these are the these are the monumental problems that are in my life right now. Forget everything else that's going on in the world. Understand, understand. All right, folks, we'll be back next Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. No duck sarcasm in the club.